verse 5 through 17. A little bit of a long scripture, but I'm going to kind of explain this in the end. A lot of people are talking about faith. A lot of people in this world, you know, from those that are very religious to those that just are involved in games, football, all kind of events and things in the world. They talk about faith. But I believe it's very important among who you got your faith in. <clears throat> Follow along with me. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. And it, Romans chapter 10 says, For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man that does these things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss or the pit, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, and in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach or speak about. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whosoever or whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom, whom, in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And that's simply saying without somebody to proclaim it to them. Whether that's in a church service, over your kitchen table, in a Bible study, or just simply on the job. And how shall they preach unless they be sent? As it is written... How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Every once in a while, I'll tell my wife, honey, just look at my feet, how beautiful they are. She said, that's not what it's talking about. Verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report so then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I just simply want to talk to you this morning just a little bit about can God see your faith? Can God see your faith? God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you all for being here. It is my privilege to be here. So, <clears throat> faith is not something that we just uh, 
store up and keep it in reserve. You know, I'm just going to build up a lot of faith here and I'll pack it over here and I can just use it when I need it. Well, faith is not meant, uh, or faith is meant to do as much as it is meant to be. Having faith is great, but will that faith work when you need it? A lot of people talk about, oh, I believe what the Bible says, but somehow their life does not reflect what they say they believe. Now, what's the deal here? We live in this world that so much of that is is going on. Having faith is great, but will that faith work? Faith must have hands and legs on it to be the kind of faith that pleases God. James chapter 2 verse 14 says this, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Now we've, I've been in the church a long time and there's this stigma about the word works because people talk about can you work your way into heaven I'm telling you no you can't work your way into heaven by faith we are by grace we are saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast but does that mean we need to throw works out the window absolutely not Because faith that don't work is not faith at all. Faith that doesn't do something when I need it is not faith at all. So how does faith and works work together? I'm going to read this from the NLT. This is James chapter 2. And it just puts it in words that I think that we can grab hold and use right now. Verse 14 says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Hello. You know what? You put your faith to work when you got out of bed and said, I'm going to church today. Right? People used to call us holy rollers, and uh, Brother Ramsey, the pastor I used to have, he said, I tell you what a holy roller is, the one that rolls over and punches the clock and just rolls over and go back to bed. <laughs> Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? It's other words, if I'm praying for you and I'm saying, I'm going to believe God for you for this need, but yet I've got the means to help supply their need. Hello, faith needs some legs on it about that time. Verse 17 says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds. I kind of like that word better. Good deeds, good action, right? Instead of just works. It is dead. He he said, uh, you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. 
Now, someone may argue some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? Our life, we have been born again, not to be cooped up and put in a corner somewhere, but we have been born again that we can show forth the praises of Him that's called us out of darkness. Amen. God needs somebody on display in this world to demonstrate what truth and righteousness really is. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's just dead and useless. So you can say, I got faith and others have good works, but how can you show me your faith if you don't have what it takes? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. My actions will prove what I believe. Because there's a lot of people that believe, but there's there's nothing happening in their life. There's no fruit. Jesus said you'll know a tree by the fruit it bears, right? And so if there's no demonstration or the fruit's not allowed to grow, who would even know that Jesus could exist in our lives? Verse 19 says, you say you have faith, for you believe that there's one God. He said, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish can you see that, can't you see that faith Without good deeds is useless. Understand this. What you believe in and who you believe in makes all the difference in the world. Just because some big celebrity football guy scores a touchdown and does this stuff, you know, that's just kind of got to be the fad thing. Just because you point to heaven doesn't mean you're connecting with heaven. But when somebody, he said, when you've got a need in your life, if you've got a problem, we can call upon him and thank God we've got a God. God that hears us and he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory but God can't do one single thing for us beyond what we can believe him for isn't it amazing that we live in a world that is people talking about all the time about going to heaven and all this kind of stuff And they're believing God to supply, you know, oh man, he's going to take me out of here. But a little problem happens and we start wringing our hands and sweating and fretting and all kind of stuff and wondering, oh my God, what am I going to do? And yet we're believing him one day to transport us, translate us from this flesh to the spiritual and boom, we're just going to go up there and be with him forever and everything's going to be wonderful. And we can't trust him for a little problem. I got good news for you. We fixing to we fixing to experience stuff in this world like we never have before. It's not going to get better here on this planet. There is no level of government that's going to save us. The world organization is not going to save us. They'll oppress us. Because that's exactly what Satan wants to do. God's kingdom is not of this world. Hello? 
His kingdom is not of this world. And my faith is not in this world. Donald Trump was never intended to be our savior. This government is never to be intended to be our savior. Your stimulus check was never intended to be your savior. Hello. But if we never get another check, God's still real. If we never get, you know, uh, some big deposit in the mail, it doesn't matter. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it doesn't depend on your circumstance. It depends on your relationship with him. And he didn't give you a relationship just to make us comfortable here on earth. Abraham gave us a great illustration. James 2 and 23, he said, And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, that's what we want our faith to do, all right? You want to have enough faith that God says, okay, I'm going to give you credit for righteousness for what you believe. That's why the Bible says that our righteousness is the filthy rags. Won't work. We need his righteousness. Not what... The flesh produces, not how good I can be. And people say it all the time. Oh, you know, they are such a good person. Well, that's wonderful. But their goodness is not what's going to produce salvation in their life. Because of his faith, God said that he would apply it to Abraham's life and give him credit for being righteous. Why? Because God could see his faith. Because God said, Abraham, I don't want you staying in Ur of the Chaldees. I don't want you to stay in, in, that, in that heathen country and with those people. Even though you're connected with your family, I want you to come out. And the place that you put the sole of your feet, I'm going to give it to you. What did Abraham do? He just started walking. Hallelujah. He didn't know where he was going. He was looking for a city who has foundations, whose builder and maker was God. He never saw it. But he is complete in us because we have received the promises of God and because Abraham did what God told him to do he said I'm going to count that for righteousness now listen you ever believe God for something you didn't get boy I have come on haven't we yeah well I just didn't have a faith enough faith Abraham believed God years for something he hasn't yet received. But it doesn't mean that he's not going to receive it. (laughs) You can't let, don't let there be a lapse in your faith. Don't let there be, you know, oh, I just don't know. Hey, it doesn't matter. If we starve to death in this earth, we're going to wake up with him in glory one day, and He's going to. we're going to have a new body. Everything's going to be all right. We're going to live with peace and power and reign with Jesus Christ forever and ever, and that's all that matters. This, Like the old song said, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. So faith is not just believing, but it is doing. 
Hebrews chapter two, uh, chapter three, and chapter four have always been interesting to me in the fact that uh, verse three, uh, chapter three, verse twelve says, "Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you that evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God." And then also in verse nineteen it says, "So we that could not, uh, so we see that that they could not enter in because of unbelief." That word unbelief there is simply, it's. Uh, Pistos is faith, and it's A in front of us, which is without. So it's simply without faith. Who did? The children of Israel. Did God bring them out of, the, of, of Egypt? Yes. But they still grumbled and complained and griped. Oh, God, touch our hearts that our mouths would speak faith and not unbelief. But then you go on to chapter 4, in verse 6 it says, and, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. And then also in verse 11, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. But that word unbelief is different. It doesn't just mean lack of faith. It just simply means disobedience. How do I prove that I have faith? There's evidence for everything, right? I hope everybody here is humble because without humility, we're not going to be saved. God rejects the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, right? Well, how do I, what's the evidence of humility? Submission. Submission. It's not going around hanging your head and telling how rotten you are or whatever. That's not humility. That's just shame. Debasing yourself is not the answer there. It's submitting to the one that's in charge. Literally, it's like an umbrella going out into the rain. I'm I'm under his control and power, so it doesn't, what's around me is not what's going to influence me. So what's the evidence of faith? It can only be one thing, and that's obedience. So that's why disobedience is the lack of faith or simply unbelief. When I don't believe God, they didn't believe that God was going to take care of them, and so they grumbled and griped, and the Bible said their bones bleached in the wilderness. God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, but I'm not looking for this world to supply my spiritual needs at all. At all. So here's the thing. Conclusion is that faith without action is disobedience. That's all. I understand we've got to grow. I understand every one of us got a little... Little ways to go, yes. But we, you know, I, I've been in the church now for, I'm losing count, 47 years, something like that. December of 1973, the Lord filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and went down in the water in the name of Jesus. Sins washed away. 
why I've repented of my sins. But that's not the last time I repented. I hope not. Matter of fact, repentance is not just something that happens one time. It's something that happens every moment of your life. You live in repentance. You live a repented life. Baptism is nothing but an act of your repentance. Remember, John came baptizing with the baptism of repentance. In other words, and that's why he told Pharisees when they said, hey, man, we're losing, we're losing too many folks. We got to go get baptized too. And John called them a bunch of snakes. He would not be a popular preacher today, I promise you. <laughs> he said, you're just a generation of vipers. He said, you're going to have to bring some evidence of your repentance because all you'd be doing is getting wet. That's basically what he said. But because my faith in God and I believed God for his work and what he said, when I went down in the water in the name of Jesus Christ, my sins were totally and completely washed away, not because of how good I was, but by how awesome his blood and his power and his name is. Jesus means Jehovah is salvation and he became my salvation and now I got to keep on do I have problems you better believe it do I make mistakes you better believe it and most of our sins is not because we're going to the bars and carousing and all that but it's simply because we come short all of sin and come short of the glory of God there's a whole lot more I should have done but there's a whole lot more I can do I might be 66 but I believe my best days are before because God in the last days is going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the harvest. Who is that? You and I. You and I. James said, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. Verse 23, so it happened just as the scripture says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you love to be considered a friend of God? So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Wow. You remember when Saul was commanded by God to take uh, the armies of Israel against the Amalekites and he was commanded to totally destroy the enemy. But because of his ego, he decided to bring the best of the spoils. The cattle and the sheep and King Agag brought them back to show it off to the people. That wasn't part of the commandment. Listen to what God said. Uh, Samuel said through the Lord in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 17, he said, So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, you were, were you not the head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you as king over Israel? 
Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Here, Listen to Saul's response. And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission which the Lord had sent me and brought back... Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Doesn't, doesn't the book of Revelation, the last few verses say, if you add to or you take away, that God's going to add to or take away your part? That's exactly what Saul was doing. He said, I did, the, I did it, but I brought back... King, Amal- uh, king Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Huh? Wait a minute. Something don't add up here. <laughs> but the people took the plunder. Hey, I thought you was king. Cheap and auctioned the best of things that, listen to what he said, that should have been utterly destroyed, but they brought them back to sacrifice them to God. But here's what Samuel said. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of God? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed or pay attention or listen to is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you as king. See, folks, this is why things like baptism are so necessary. Because if you don't obey, it is simply unbelief or disobedience. We're not suggested. Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. The word of God is like a cookbook. If you just read the cookbook, you know, I, I, I really, we got a ton of cookbooks at the house. And I don't think my wife has ever caught me just, honey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just reading this cookbook. This is so cool. Now, I might be looking for recipes. But there just ain't, there's just not a lot of good fulfillment in looking at a cookbook and not cooking what's in it, right? Same token. We can read the Word of God all day long, but if we don't do what it says, it's not going to do us any good. So this helps explain our text. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Now this is in the NIV. Listen to this. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Notice that is in quotations. What does that mean? He's quoting something. Okay? Paul is quoting another verse here. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Verse 12 and 13, For there is no difference between Jews, Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call upon him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. And religious America has just incorporated that and say, I'm calling on the name of the Lord. I'm just calling on Jesus. What is he talking about here? 
we got to understand that every bit of this is Paul quoting from the Old Testament. Hmm. Verse 5 is a quote from Leviticus 18.5. Verse 6 and 7 is from Deuteronomy 9 and 4 and Deuteronomy 30, 12 and 13. Verse 8 is from Deuteronomy 30 and 14. And verse 11 is from Isaiah 28.16. But I want you to notice verse 9 and 13 quoted from Joel 2.32. You remember Joel, that's where he talks about God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Verse 9 in the Greek is... If you confess with the mouth, Jesus is the Lord. Not a Lord, not some Lord, but the Lord. Verse 9 and 13 give reference to Joel 2, where the NET says this. It says, the Greek construction along with the quotation from Joel 2.32 in verse 13 in which the name Lord is in view, suggests that kurion, kurion or kurios is the Greek word for Lord that is translated Jehovah. In other words, he's saying this word should be Yahweh or Jehovah, the self-existing one. In other words, except we believe in the name of Jehovah, except you confess that Jesus is The Yahweh. That's exactly what it's saying here. It's not just saying, hey, he's Lord. Jesus said in John 8, 24, if you do not believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins. John 8, 58 said, most assuredly I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Sister Fowler, if you'd come. The USB says here the I am is used to the absolute sense that identifies Jesus as God the Father. And to make sense, one really must say, before Abraham existed, I existed. Believing's good, but the but the devils believe and tremble, right? Jesus said that we must believe that he is the great I am. Hmm. Yeah, the world needs to hear about our faith. But I'll tell you what's going to work in this day. Can God see our faith? Can they see our faith? Stand with me. You remember the story when Jesus was... uh, He was in the house. He was teaching. And there was such a crowd that nobody could get in. And the Bible said there was a man that was taken with palsy. He was so sick, apparently, he couldn't even get off his bed. So he had some friends, four friends, that said, you know what? We're going to help our brother out. We're going to do something. And the Bible said they picked that bed up and they brought him to where Jesus was. The problem was... I mean, they were hanging out the windows. There was no way to get in the door. And they said, you know what? The only way this guy's going to get healed is to get into the presence of Jesus Christ. They went around, took him up some steps. In those days, the roofs, they would grow gardens and things like that. And, and they put the roofs on in sections like these, like these are tiles on the floor. They had big tiles 
sort of like this roof here, probably, probably about the same size. And the Bible said they took the tiles off the roof. I'm sure they're sitting there listening to Jesus and their dirt falling down and all this. And suddenly while Jesus is teaching, Bubba starts coming down on a, on a bed. They tied some ropes on the end, just started letting him down. And Luke chapter 5 verse 8 says this. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. And they tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof, took off some of the tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. And it simply says, Jesus seeing their faith said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. And you know what else happened? Of course, he told the man, you are whole. Take up your bed and go home. The sick man didn't even have enough faith for himself. But the Bible said, Jesus saw the faith of those others. Because those men, their priority was getting that man into the presence of Jesus Christ. If you're born again, and if I'm born again, we've got a mission that we need to accomplish. And whatever it takes, if we've got to take the tiles off the roof, we have to get people into the presence of Jesus Christ. And that's how God is going to credit us for our faith. Can you pray with me right now? Father, we thank you, oh God. And we lift you up and praise you for your power and your glory. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you, God, that you're not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And we pray, oh God, that there would be a stirring in our heart from your word. That we, oh God, we believe that you're not just Jesus. You're not just a, a character of the Bible, but you are the mighty God in Christ, reconciling the world to yourself. But you have given to us the ministry of reconciliation that we could help reconcile someone to God. Just as you became the mediator of the new covenant, so it is, oh God, let us become a mediator to somebody's life, somebody that is struggling, somebody that is in the throes of the enemy and battling for their very existence because you have given us the faith, oh God, to believe and know that their only hope is in you. There's not another, Lord. You said, besides me, there is no other God. Beside me, there is no Savior. You are the Creator. You are the King. You are the Lord. There is none else, oh God, beside you. So I want you to stir our hearts and our minds, God, to reach right now and believe that you want to use me. The devil would love for us to get into the maintenance mode And into that place of just trying to survive. 
This world is trying to press us into dependence upon the government and dependence upon everything else. But God, help us to realize and understand we should only be dependent upon you and you alone. Because I can only do all things through you, through Christ who strengthens me. God, I pray your spirit would move upon every family, every individual in this place to stir in us a new dimension of faith that says, I'm going to go beyond where I've been before. Because, Lord, you're working on us, yes. You, 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 we quoted it earlier that you have begun a good work, and so you're going to finish that good work. But that good work is not leaving us where we are. That good work is not just keeping us as we are. But that good work is to take us to a higher dimension and a greater place that will produce you Jesus that will produce you in the lives of others can you lift your hands and your hearts to the Lord right now can say Jesus do this work in me Jesus I want that kind of faith that produces I want that kind of faith that moves Mountains, And not just mountains, but that kind of faith that will move roof tiles, Lord. That will move obstacles out of my life and out of others' lives, oh Lord. That somehow I can get men into the presence of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's somebody in this room. And it's everybody, God, that you want to use in this hour because we are knocking on the door of your coming. We are knocking on the door of the last days, the very last days. And it's in those days, God, that's when you're pouring out your spirit on all flesh. You need people to teach Bible studies, God. You need people to share the word with those that don't understand it, that have misconstrued it and twisted it to their own destruction. But if you can use anything, Lord, if you can use anybody, you can use me. Hallelujah. Lift your hand to the Lord right now and say, God, use me. Use me, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name.